have a, uh, a bit of a confession to make this morning. I hope that the men here will be compassionate upon me and not revoke my man card, although that could happen. It's with fear and trepidation I lay this out in front of you because it is it's embarrassing. Sometimes when I go to McDonald's, I buy Happy Meals. it's true. There was a time when I was much younger that, uh, you know, I had to have a Big Mac, an extra large order of fries, a soft drink, and a milkshake to keep going. And, uh, and, it, and it didn't ride with me for years after I ate it. It was, you know, I was younger. But when you get older, guys, and, and some of you realize this, you, it doesn't take as much to fuel you as it did before. And sometimes it just doesn't take that much to fill you up. And a Happy Meal is a perfect size. You go down to McDonald's and you go through the drive-thru and you get the Happy Meal and you make sure that it's down low in the seat that anybody that sticks their head in won't see it. But think about what you've got in that thing. Man, you've got a cheeseburger. You've got a, a little tiny order of fries. See, and we're all supposed to be watching our sodium. So that's, you know, it's healthy. And when you get older, there's this thing about sweets, that you just have to have something sweet, and they give you just enough in this little bitty bag of apples that, that it got, has a little sweet to it, and then you get just enough of a drink that you don't have to go to the bathroom every 30 minutes for the rest of the day. But the best part of it all <laughs> is you get a toy. Now, the cool thing about the toy is, you know, you can get the Happy Meal toy and you get it, yeah, 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 yeah. Take it back to the office. I put it on my desk or on the table there. And any kid that comes in that wants to pick up the toy can get it. But I kept this one. If you've ever been to my office, you'll realize that's on the top shelf. Yeah, yeah, none of them can get to that one. That's right, because that's Snoopy. And the cool thing about old Snoops here is, is on top of it, on that branch that's on the top, has got Woodstock on top. Y'all remember Woodstock, right? Yeah, Woodstock is named after, it's got to be after the Woodstock Music Festival. He flew like somebody that had been to the festival would have walked when it was over, you know? But then, but then the, the, the cool thing about this particular toy is that Snoopy, you can't tell it from this angle, but Snoopy's got a magnet in his head, and the branch has a magnet in it, and he doesn't actually touch. He just hovers. And so you can walk over to Snoopy, and you can touch his nose, and Snoopy starts to move like he's doing his happy dance. Now, when Snoopy does his happy dance, it makes everybody happy even those of you in the Baptist church who were taught from the moment that you were born that you were supposed to be sour dour and never happy you know in your heart that when you see Snoopy doing his happy dance there's a little crack of a grin that happens in your soul you know that and I'm going to prove it to you right now
tell me. Tell me that it doesn't make you happy. And, and even at the part where, where Lucy and Schroeder are, are looking at him, before he noticed them, he's just happy, happy as he can be. That's what we all are looking for. We want to be happy like that, don't we? And you know, we come to church to get that. We come into this place hoping to find that happiness, something that makes us feel that kind of happiness. Deep down, we expect to find happiness in the church, especially at Christmas. Man, you've got, you've got a baby boor, boy being born in a manger. You've got angels. You've got wise men. You've got animals. The story makes us all feel warm and fuzzy inside, even those of us that don't believe it. And I'm not... I'm not naive enough to believe that everybody in here believes all about this story. It's got some pretty incredible stuff in it. But you know, the story itself from, from 2,000 years ago has been passed down and passed down and passed down to your great-grandparents, to your grandparents, to your parents, to you, to your children. It holds us together. It gives us this sense of community and belonging and love and happiness and somebody cares. It connects us. It makes us happy. You know, church can be a disappointment. I mean, it really can. You come here believing this story that God's going to make everything all right. You come through the doors regularly, you do all the things that a, a good Christian person is supposed to do, and you believe that life is going to get straightened out, that your problems will be solved, but then you get here and you do everything everybody's ever told you to do, and it doesn't seem to work that way. Church is really a place of extremely poorly managed expectations, because we really don't know what to expect when we come to church, but we expect something and we expect it to be good and we expect it to be meaningful and we expect it to be practical and we expect it to somehow bring peace into our lives. And when we listen to it and really, really listen to it, that's exactly what God delivers. That is precisely what he delivers. I believe that people are people regardless of where they come from and what age they ever lived in. People are people. I don't care. You can take them whatever culture they're in. They may do things a little bit differently, but down deep inside, we all are looking for the same things. We all want the same things. We all sort of think in the same kind of way. Mary and Joseph, I think, were absolutely no different. I think there were people just like everybody else is people. Obviously, everybody else is people. Everybody else are people like everybody else is. Obviously, both of them were very devout, very thinking people. I suspect they went to synagogue often. I suspect that they listened to the stories that they told, and they took those stories to heart. Have you ever thought about this story? Have you ever thought about Mary and Joseph before they got married? Before you got married, if you're married, if you're young and you haven't gotten married, but you think maybe one day you might, have you ever thought about what life is going to hold for you? 
how you want your marriage to turn out, how you want your life to turn out, what your expectations are. Have you ever thought about that? Do you think that Mary and Joseph may have done the same thing? What did they expect out of life? What did they expect from the God that they worshipped week in and week out? Mary believes very, very deeply. When the angel comes to her to tell her that she's going to bear a child and this child is going to be the savior of the world, the angel says to her, you have found favor with God. Would that not make you go crazy? Is if an angel came to you and said to you, you have found favor with God. I've done something right. Hey, that's cool. And this is what the angel says to her. He tells her she's going to have a baby in a very unusual way, and the baby is going to be the savior of the world. And her response to him is, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you want, Lord, I'll do it. Whatever you want, Lord, I'll do it. She believed him. She trusted him. She did not understand him, but it did not matter because if it was from God, it had to be good. You hear the truth in that? Don't understand it. But if it's from God, it's got to be good. Joseph believed very deeply too. You know, some people prove how much they believe by how tightly they hang on to the rules and how tightly and loudly they tell everybody else about the rules. They tend to be against everything because if they're against everything, it shows how good they are because they are against everything. And they're good. They can prove it. I've watched all of my life. Dad gave me a little lesson a long, long time ago. You watch all the ones that make all the noise, and Dad said, watch for the quiet one. Let them make all the noise that they want to. You look for the guy that's not making the noise. And you see what he's got to say. Joseph was that guy. Joseph was the quiet one. Mary comes in, tells Joseph her story. Now, you've got to work with me here. You've got to think about this story. Joseph would have known more about Mary than just a casual acquaintance. Their marriages were arranged back then, but think about this now. Think with me here. Don't be religious ninnies. Think. You've got a son. You've got a daughter. Do you just walk up to anybody? Hey, Evan, I heard you got a kid over there at your house. My daughter's marrying age and your boy's marrying age. What do you think about them just getting hooked up? Would you do that? <laughs> if you do that, there's something wrong with you. I'm telling you, I'm going to know who my family is going to get involved with. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to look around. I'm going to start seeing. You know, Evan's kid looks like he's a pretty good kid, but is he? What does he do in school? What does he do when he's away from Evan? What does he behave like when nobody sees him? Do they have money? How's the dowry thing going to work out? I'm going to check into all of this. I'm going to know. They knew Mary. It wasn't like she was some stranger that they pulled a number out of a hat. Number 23 is Mary. You're getting married to Joseph. That didn't happen. They did research. They knew who Mary was. They would have known something about her. 
Joseph, by this time, is betrothed to her. He would know something about her. He would like what he saw. His parents or whoever arranged this liked what they saw. Maybe even they loved Mary a little bit. By now, Joseph would have seen her devotion to God. He would have seen that she was a devout woman, that she was trustworthy, that she was truthful. And she comes up and she tells him, Joseph, I had an angel come to me and tell me that I'm pregnant and that this baby is going to be the Messiah, the Son of God that we've been waiting for. You think, you hear the conflict there? I mean, we tend to put it in our language. If, if our daughter came home and said that I was pregnant and I saw an angel, you know, things would be really weird. But here we are. Joseph is hearing this from a woman that, that is devout and is truthful and is honest. And his confusion would have been just, it would have blown his mind out. What? How did he react to that? Did he react like we would expect that, that he started hurtful words, saying all kinds of hurtful words and, and spit out his disgust at her and pound her with words relentlessly one after another, full of pain and hurt and anger? Did he vent his rage at her like we would have vented our rage when we got there? Or even worse, did he treat her kindly as we do somebody with mental illness? Someone whose eyes beg us for compassion, but whose actions befuddle us, confuse us, hurt us, make us want to get away. When Mary looked into his eyes, what did she see? Did she see rage and anger, or did she see degrading pity? that reduced her in his eyes from this special person of love and compassion to a waif, a stray, a mentally deficient girl that he would have to feel sorry for because he knew for the rest of her life her and her parents would go through torment because of her insanity. Matthew didn't think it was important for us to know how, Matt, uh, how Joseph reacted. Matthew calls Joseph a just man and unwilling to put her away, uh, to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He had three choices. He could do nothing. He was a just man. A just man had to do something. I mean, you have to do something. He could be one of those rules guys that prove their goodness by disproving everybody else's goodness. I thought she was a wonderful woman, guys. My parents did too. Y'all have seen her in church every Sunday, acting all holy. But you know how those church people can be sometimes. And she's a hypocrite like the worst of them. She got pregnant by somebody, told me about some angel has come along. And she is guilty. She is guilty. And you know what we ought to do to her. And they could take her out in the middle of the square and stone her and the son of God that she was carrying in her womb, stone him to death. He could have done that. But he's not the loud guy. He's the quiet guy. His third option is to write her a bill of divorcement and be done with it. She's going to have enough shame for the rest of her life anyway. Let's, let's just let her go. But he was a quiet guy. 
And he didn't do anything really, really fast. He was wise. He took his time. He had to think about this thing. And he thought about it so long that it got dark. And it might have got dark several times. And he went to his room to go to bed to settle down for what he knew was going to be a fitful night's sleep. And while he was sleeping, an angel of the Lord came to him and told him that all of these things that Mary said was true. And he woke up convinced. Let me ask you a question about you. You have a crazy dream. What do you do when you wake up? You have one of those dreams that are so real that you can touch it. And you wake up in the morning and, and, and you almost have fear that maybe that's going to happen today because the dream felt so real, but you know it was just a dream. The day goes on, nothing happens, and you move on. That just cements in your mind that that's a dream. That's the way dreams operate. How much would it take you to convince that you saw an angel in a dream? Joseph woke up convinced. He knew it wasn't pizza. He knew it wasn't something he ate the day before. He knew it wasn't just the fact that he was upset. He was convinced that an angel of God had visited him, and the Scripture said he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Whatever you want, Lord, I will do it. He believed, he trusted, he didn't understand, but it didn't matter because it was from God, and if it was from God, therefore it had to be good. Now work with me what happened in the stories here. Jesus came by, he entered their lives, God's word was spoken to them, and for the moment Jesus entered their lives, things were never the same. Jesus brought three things into their lives. I want you to listen to me this morning and understand that he brings three things into our lives when he comes. He brought three things into their lives. The first thing Jesus brought was chaos. He brought chaos. A brand new normal. Mary and Joseph's life was never the same again. These two young men that I baptized this morning, their lives can't go back to being what they were before. They've made a profession of faith. They've been baptized. They've been pulled up out of the water. They can go if they decide to. God forbid, and if you ever do it, we'll kill you. They could decide to go and just raise immortal Cain from now until the day they died. But until that moment, they would still have people walk up to them and say, but didn't you get baptized? Weren't you a member of a church? Jesus has changed their life whether they accept it at this moment or understand it at this moment or not. Your life has been changed. You will never be the same. You will always be different. You cannot escape it. He changed her life. He changed Joseph's lives. Christ followers are very glib to say that Jesus is the answer. And while that's true, he is not Mucinex that will remove your symptoms away from you and make you feel a little bit better. I promise you, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you trust him, everything will not smooth out. Your husband will not become a good guy. Your wife will not quit nagging. And your children will not suddenly behave. It doesn't work that way. 
It will get better eventually, but not right away. Very rarely do things just change. Mostly we get chaos because normal has just changed. Secondly, though, he made sure that Mary and Joseph understood what was going on. He made sure of that. Do you believe, do you believe that Jesus will do that for you? And don't give me the little naughty, bobble-headed church, yeah, I believe, hallelujah. No. Think about this for a second. Do you believe that for you yourself, sitting right here in the First Baptist Church of Gray, Georgia, that Jesus Christ will make sure that you know him and know what is required of you? Do you believe that? The evidence is there if we choose to believe it. He wants to be found. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says in Hebrews that he rewards those who faithfully seek him. Good grief, guys. For the last month and a half, the sermons that we've talked about on Sunday morning, four different times we have read things that very specifically tell us what God's will is laid out in black and white. We've got to be ignorant to not be able to figure that out he wants to be found he isn't playing hide and seek with you you guys ever play hide and seek man when I was a kid yeah me too hallelujah that's right I got an amen right here when I was a kid we played how we played hide we played hallelujah we played hide and seek and we like to play show enough hide and seek it was after dark We'd get outside. This was back in the day. How many parents, you know, now DFAX is on the phone if y'all are out doing that. Mm-mm. Back in our day, mama was glad. That's a few more hours of peace and quiet. Let them, ram- let them ramble. So we're out playing uh, hide and seek in, dark, in, in the dark. And what you did is you got somebody who was it, right? You got them to be it. And you had to have a fight over it because nobody really wanted to be it. So you got it. And it would go and put their head up against a tree and count to 100. We didn't mess around. This, you don't count to 10. You don't count to 50. You count to 100 by ones. Because we're going to go out and we're going to find us a place to hide. And we would hide in any kind of place we could find. And the goal was, if you were good at hiding, but you had just a little bit of luck, that what you could do is you could be in a hiding place where you would see it walk by. Y'all done that? Have you ever done that? And it's walking by, you don't even breathe. And when it gets far enough away, you slip out of your hiding place and you go back to home so that you can be sitting there and it comes back and you go, You're in again. (laughs) Now, see, that's how we go through our lives, is we go through our lives thinking we're it. And we're going to look for God everywhere we can possibly find God, and we think we might find a snippet of him here, and we might find a snippet of him there, but we know that when we die, we're going to go to heaven, and we're going to see him face to face, and then we'll go, hey, there he is, there he is. In this story, who came to whom? In this story, who came to whom? Jesus came to Mary and Joseph. 
God came by. They didn't go looking for him. They simply were trying to follow what the scripture said and live a godly life as best as they knew how. And God came by. And when he came by, Jesus brought chaos, but he made sure that they knew what was going on and what they were supposed to do. And the third thing is, because he came by, because he talked with them, then they were able to live with peace and determination because they knew he was there. Now, did you notice? Jesus did not change their situation. Mary was still a girl betrothed to be married. Joseph was still a carpenter engaged to be married. The scripture says that he took, a, he took her for his wife. They didn't have a little civil ceremony down at the justice of the peace. They had a wedding. They had a wedding. Life went on. You know the world around them changed. Because Mary probably started showing at some point and people started pointing and people started talking and people started saying things about them. Chaos. But they knew God was with them. And so they went on about their lives. And they were Jewish. They were not Southern Baptist. And they had a wedding. And Mary and Joseph danced. I win. Happy dance. Because everybody can say what they want to say. That's fine. God's with me. And it's good. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Tell me something better. You can't do it. Father, we thank you so much this morning for a story Oh, that even people that don't believe in it can, can lean back and, and feel good about. Father, it's obviously a very powerful story. There are folks all around us that don't want the story to be told. I feel sorry for them. I pray, Lord, that one day you can soften their heart. I pray that their heart's not softened when they bow before you. And it's too late. Thank you for these two young men this morning, Lord, who've trusted you as their Savior and have allowed me to use them as illustrations, even though they didn't know I was going to do it. I thank you, Father, that I know, that I know, that I know that as crazy as this world gets, nothing can separate you and I. That when I think you're a million miles away, that's that snake whispering a lie into my ears because you were in my heart forever. You have made all things new. Thank you, Father. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the blessings that you've given me thank you for the hard times that I've gone through thank you because if you're in it it has to be good and it is in Jesus name Amen
believe it was Jacob's video, could be wrong, that said his favorite verse was, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, that was good, but have everlasting life. Baby was born, cuddly, warm, smells like a baby. Sometimes that's not good, but most of the time it's a good smell. But he grew up with one thing on his mind. And the one thing on his mind was, if I don't follow through with this mission, everybody that has ever lived or ever will live will be lost. And I can't let that happen. He went to a cross. He died. He was buried and was buried for three days. Went in on Friday, was all day Saturday. On Sunday, stone rolled away. And he lived again. And he lives again today. And he said very plainly, if you trust me, what I have done, I will do for you. I invite you this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, trust him this morning so that when the moment comes that you need him, he will be there. And so that as you walk your life every day, you'll have the voice walking behind you that says, this is my way, walk in it. Because I'm telling you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. I want you to have that same feeling.